more chump. I'm a lot more Manny. I'm a lot more Snoop. I'm a lot more Jordan and Lane in high school. Got cut with the JV and average for that too. I'm a lot more Biggie. I'm a lot more Pac. I'm a lot more Diddy 'cause I ain't gon' stop. I'm a lot more Oprah. This before she had a yacht. I'm a lot more Apple running for they laptops. Welcome one and all. Um, I'm Nils. <laughs> and I'm T-Bone. And this is episode 28. Yes, it is. We are in the rainy Inner West studio in Alexandria. Oh, yes. Uh, AKA T-Bone's, T-Bone's humble abode. I would like to, to re- rebadge it as boudoir. Is that a bit boudoir? too much? Is that a bit it's too a bit much? sexy. Oh, sorry. It's a bit, Is that a bit too sexy for this It's a bit too sexy for me. <laughs> <laughs> a bit too... That's highly sensual. Fine. T-Bone right. is a highly sensual man, Exactly. Yeah, we established that. Yes. <laughs> But, um, yo, this is episode 28. Um, as we mentioned on our last um, episode, we're going to be wrapping the podcast up soon i think we're gonna we're gonna probably go up till 30 yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see how we go now. if we can get some guests on we might push it um but yeah like there was no real uproar on the internet from uh from our announcement if you noticed oh even. yeah it was <laughs> dead so silent. dead silent that i'm starting to think nobody gives a shit yeah i'm starting to believe so <laughs> oh well Oops. no no fan mail except for maybe soundcloud pro telling us that our membership might lapse soon. <laughs> yeah and oh, well. like that was that was about it mm, yeah 50 50 listens to the last podcast as wow. well reaching a new low We went from the from the high 200s to 50. Yeah. <laughs> like, we lost a lot of you. We've yes, lost a lot of okay. you. Uh, we don't know how to get you yeah, back. Exactly. We, I don't think we ever knew how to keep you, <laughs> to be honest. But today on the episode, look, we've talked about this for a long, long time. Mm. And T- T-Bone and myself have been guilty of not having any yes. female... <laughs> representation on the show and it's very very bad and we apologize we've had a lot of male comedians on a lot of you know reptile men on one reptile man in particular (laughs) we've had who else have we had on uh just um, that's pretty much it it, uh but we're changing that we we've delivered on our promise and today on the episode we have um poet activist new zealander Um, vegetarian barbecue connoisseur nice and um somebody i'm quite proud to call a friend unity yamazaki how are you hey yeah i'm all right i'll I'll add some applause yeah yeah sorry i was taking a swig i feel like yeah that's a lot of pressure is it no 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 not at all yeah the new zealand a bit you know not not a nasho so definitely not definitely not But it's good to say so because I feel like my accent has been Australianized quite significantly. Yeah, you made mention of this the other day at the Amnesty International Poetry. Yeah, Yeah. run by the New South Wales Refugee. Network. Yeah, I saw you perform the other day. I mean, we've known each other before that, but like I saw you perform the other day and you were very, very good. I do try my very best in between full-time work. Yeah. I'm glad you liked it. Well, the first time I ever met you. Well, I didn't actually meet you that day. Okay, this is a funny story. Why don't we... uh, It's a good story. It's a good story. Okay. So, many, many years... Not many years ago. 2015. I went to... Yeah, I went to Word in Hand at Glebe. At Friend and Han Hotel in Glebe. 
um, to see my friend Zoheb Khan do some poetry. And um, in, in the night, I was listening to some, some other poets and you, you came on and did some poems. And I was like highly impressed. And I was like, wow, she's really good. Um, and I didn't, because I left pretty early after Zoheb was finished. I didn't get to talk to you. But maybe a year and a half later, our friend, friend of the, not friend of the show, but friend of the show, he hasn't been on and is dying to come on, Kyle Legacy, um, <laughs> uh, was doing an improvisational show, improvisational comedy show at, I can't remember where, Hive Bar. Mm. At Hive Bar. Yeah, that's right. And, um... Good old and, Hive. Good old Hive. And, and you were sitting there, and he was picking on you, I remember. Yes, he was. He and was. And I was talking back to him. <laughs> fucking bullshit. Like, who is this kid? He's like, this racism, sexism, homophobia. Like, I mean... He, he's can, a triple threat in that regard. It's actually funny, because to me, like, if you're a comedian, and if you have to re- rely on that shit, it just means you have no actual good shit. Yeah. In in his defense, he's quite a funny guy. He was doing an improv thing, and like I, I can't justify all of the stuff you said. But if it's any consolation, he's not the brightest star in the sky. And, 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 and to be also fair, he'd probably agree with that, that he doesn't yeah, have. Yeah, because I remember he may have asked a gay man in the crowd that night how long he had been gay. Oh, that's and right. If I remember correctly. <laughs> Kyle felt terrible about that the yeah, whole yeah, night yeah, yeah, and, yeah. like, bought him drinks and, like... So, but Kyle genuinely didn't understand what was wrong about his question. Like, he's just so really you, ignorant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it, you can like, put it down to idiocy. Ultra ignorant. Oh, but, I mean, yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, I, it's not... I don't, didn't honestly remember <laughs> after that night. It just gets a bit tiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next yeah. week on the show, Kyle I Legacy. Like <laughs> Um, Let's see quite possibly, sure quite possibly, <laughs> quite possibly. Maybe you you can come in as well. He'll do written written material. But um, yeah, and I saw. I remember seeing you there, and I was um, I think half towards the end, you were hanging around um, with a friend of yours or something. I remember I was pretty baked. Yes, you were. And then I remember I went up to you and I was like did you do poetry at Mike and Hand like two years ago? And you're like, yeah, I did. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're really good. I should have spoken to you that day, but I didn't, but I'm talking to you now, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And since then, we've been mates. That's right. Yeah. And now we go to like vegetarian dinners all the time. That's right. Yeah. 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 To come to my amazing veggie barbecues. Unity Mm. has. Yeah, I know. I was meant to go. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, we've got you on the show today. Just We're going to talk about a gamut of things. Like, we have been talking even before we started recording today. Um, and we're just, like, so many things we wanted to cover. Like, you are, I'll, I'll, I'll say it explicitly, you are a brown woman. I am a brown woman. Definitely. Yes. I remember, I remember my dad telling me when I was young. I mean, he said various things oh. to this effect. But no, he's like, you know, no matter how you talk, no matter how you dress, when people look at you, they are going to see oh, yeah. a brown person. Yeah, no and he's doubt. like, whatever you do in life, you are going to have to work harder. Yeah. Like, okay. get, and, and he was right, you know, mm. actually. Like, it's mm. too bad that um, he, had, he had to tell me that. And, mm. like, I'm not sure that it came from the best angle mm. in terms of yeah. parenting. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, 
It's true. Like if you apply for jobs and you've got a non-Anglo name, you yeah. are going to be discriminated. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Like I've heard she like employers who who won't even open emails. Yeah, if you have a from names name. that aren't yeah. Anglo. You know, yeah, like yeah. It's worth actually considering changing your name. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only good thing about my name is that people might not know immediately that it's a, a woman's name. Right. <laughs> so at least maybe I can escape the double discrimination. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Do you mind talking about like? The many things you may or may not identify as, like just to like give give our listeners a grasp of who they're actually speaking with, listening to speaking right. with. Well, yeah. <laughs> we speak. <laughs> maybe some of your your background, like what informs your poetry, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I identify as a poet to start yeah. with. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and I mean, I guess. I guess my, like, strongest identity is the brown woman identity because it's, you know, it's been, like, an issue, I Mm. guess, Mm, 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 mm. since the beginning of time, beginning of my life and kind of beginning of time in in some level. But, like, yeah, I also identify as a queer woman, a queer woman of color, if we want to call it that. Um, I identify as a martial artist as someone who went to law school and then said, fuck this. <laughs> um, so was it the law or just... Uh... Well, it was partly the law, definitely, because I, I went in straight after high school, you know, the butter eyed young teenage girl who's like, I'm going to save the world and I'm going to do it by mm. being a lawyer. And... Then you get to know the law and and how it's made and who makes it and how hard it is to create change through the law, I guess. Mm. Um, and, I mean, you know, I was thinking about doing things like refugee law or environmental mm. law, that kind of thing. But if you're on the side of the corporates, then you actually get a living wage. Mm. Um but if you're not, you might get a living wage if you're lucky, but you're going to have to have done a whole lot of unpaid hours or some mm. corporate work before you get there. And the hours are so long. You do get the wins, and I guess that's what the all the great lawyers who have decided to go down that path, I guess that's what they do it for. But I just realised that I couldn't stand being demoralised mm. all the time in that context. Mm. And, but also feeling like I had to do work where I might not necessarily agree with the tactics mm. politically. And I guess in terms of work, I like doing things that actually aren't explicitly political because mm. then I find it doesn't clash and I treat that as mm. work. Mm. Focus on, say, things like building the union, mm. fighting for rights, like getting people engaged in conversations around the water cooler mm. on, um, you know, the Muslim ban or... Which all you know, yeah. Um, you know, maternity mm. leave, um, anything political really and I, I find that that's been a better avenue mm. for me politically mm. but yeah that's sort of off on a tangent sorry that was my <laughs> tangential question but yes where on the then... political spectrum sorry you go no, no, no. No, where right. on the political spectrum do you align yourself like where do you see yourself on it um like at the very far left, left. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for you to say the word socialist at some point oh yeah we can say it now. yeah I'm totally <laughs> well, 
How do you feel about Bernie Sanders? Um, well, good. Oh, okay, cool. Overall, yeah, yeah. It's sad that you yeah. know, like, where things. Can but as as a, as a figure as a figure for of socialism, how do you feel? Um, I think I think that he's done great stuff, and mm. even though he's obviously gone down the parliamentary politics sort of route, mm. he's done great stuff in terms of helping build grassroots movements, mm. which I think a lot of other so-called socialists in his position um, haven't done as mm. much yet. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I, I would say I'm a fan of Bernie. And I'm, yeah. Sick. I'm very much a big fan, but um, sorry, I interjected. Then you're you're definitely flying down, like you're explaining yourself quite well when I interjected. Yeah, fucking hell. Sorry, <laughs> we sorry, do this dude. all the time. Sorry, dude. <laughs> um, I, I am not. It's fine if you mm. interrupt me, but you should know that I can never remember what I was saying before. So oh, unless neither. someone has kept yeah. track of it, it's it's yeah. gone okay. until we come back to it in some weird circular way, which I'm sure we will. <laughs> not now, though. Um, <laughs> no, not now. But I, I, were there any other identifiers you'd like to put out there? Um. Well, not that I can think of now. Well, it, um, before when we were chatting, I was saying that if someone asked me, I would totally say I was a feminist. But mm. you know, there's some tensions between feminism and socialism, and you know, I think that's valid too. Mm. Um. But yeah, in terms of like the broader understanding of feminism being about fighting against the oppression of women, like definitely on board there. Um, have I already said martial artists? Yes, yes. you have. Oh, okay. That was one of the first you mentioned. Which yeah, was oh, really I'm interesting. Sure it was the second. Okay, it was and, third, and not and legitimately not to, third. Not to dwell on it too much, but any particular martial art? Um, MMA, bro. I've oh. done, I did a bit of MMA, but like I didn't fight. Mm -hmm. stretch of imagination that was just that was just what the bloody class was called okay. it was more like BJJ but like it, you know probably not quite traditional BJJ I've done a tiny bit of Japanese jiu-jitsu but um predominantly I've done Kyokushin karate and Muay Thai okay um at the moment I'm doing none of those because I've got RS fucking I in my oh, head that's not good um so my physio thinks that I should take a break for a while not hit things. Not hit things. Yeah, she <laughs> thinks <laughs> that's not ideal, but she does think I can go back to it at some point. Look, um, Unity, we've got we've we've got you on because there's so many things we can talk about. I, like I said before, T Bone and I have been talking about women's issues, <laughs> like just embarrassingly, so out of our depths. embarrassingly and like, to the point where we're like, we don't think yeah. we don't have the lived experience, yeah. and hence it's not fair for us to talk as much as we do about it. Um, oh, sorry, to, I'm just going to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah, do, do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah, do it. Before you go off on something else. But, like, I mean, in terms of this whole lived experience thing, mm. like, I think it's important to talk about lived experience. Absolutely. It's, mm. it's essential, in fact. But at the same time, I feel like even if you don't have the lived experience, you totally have the right and should have like a political position on things that don't affect you directly and um, read up about them and know about yeah. them. I do feel like if you do have lived experience, you know, let's say we're talking about sexism, then you're more likely, not only have you, will you have experienced it, but you're more likely to have looked into it 
mm. more because it impacts you, mm. I guess, which then means that you have more knowledge about the topic. But I think, yeah, I think too much focus on lived experience can derail conversations when yeah. it doesn't need to. Like, you can still have, definitely still have a, a position yeah, on, a, fair enough, on fair a topic. Enough. Like, just because you do it doesn't mean you're speaking for people. You're just right. speaking your mind. Mm. on a topic which you're totally entitled to do and if that topic is totally ignorant of what people experience and is just you being a bigot then we're going to obviously shut you down but you know for the most part that's that's not the case it's people okay. who genuinely care mm. want to explore a topic mm. and yeah and I just I, I think yeah as I said you need need to have people who have the lived experience like enter into those discussions and express their thoughts um, and positions but yeah it's definitely definitely not essential mm-hmm. and the discussion always needs to be broader than that if we actually do want mm. any real change fair enough no, that's, that's good to hear yeah. um, so like one of the first things I wanted to talk about and we alluded to this earlier was um, sexism and race like we talked about I wanted to, we wanted to talk about that how does um how does it, how does being a brown queer woman in a very male white world, how does, how does that, how, how is that? <laughs> Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, where to start? I mean, you know, like, obviously, I, I have to say that the vast majority of people are like decent human mm. beings, but I guess when we live, in a context of racism, like just look at the Muslim bans in the States, but mm. also just the Islamophobia and the refugee scapegoating that happens in Australia and the various kinds of racism that have, you know, been in place, been put in place by governments over the years of why Australia policy, genocide of Aboriginal people, the threat of the Asian invasion, like obviously it has an impact on how people think and how women are treated you know, we're, we're still responsible for most of the domestic child-rearing, mental, organising, emotional labour um, that's not paid for, recognised, and we get paid less. Um, we're discriminated against for jobs and so on and so forth. So we like live in that, I guess everything I say has to be taken in that context of racism and sexism. And, and I guess another important thing is just the objectification of women mm. in advertising, mm. all advertising, you mm. know, oh, there's a woman and now it's a car and it's a woman, like mm. car, woman mm. thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, like in terms of how that plays out, I think it can be quite subtle. Like I think a lot of women, most women experience um, sexism in terms of catcalling, groping, um, obviously rape and domestic mm. violence the much more serious end of that getting paid less than their male colleagues um, but I guess the one that gets me on a I guess a daily basis is the objectification wrapped up in this condescension um, and that objectification can sometimes not be racialized but I think it so often is, and that's where the element of race comes into it. Like, people will call me exotic. Mm, yes. <laughs> I'm just like, mm, that is I did want to okay. ask you about that. Mm. Uh, it's just, and you know, it's not like it's one occasion, 
Mm. But I guess the thing I do like about being called exotic is that the racism and sexism in that statement is really explicit. Mm. So you can take it up, and mm. I have taken it up. You know, I've had responses such as, oh, but Australian women get objectified too. I'm like, yeah, but they don't fucking get called exotic. You just call me exotic, you know? <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, right, right. <laughs> Whereas I think a lot of sexism can be uh, more subtle. Like, oh, aren't you gorgeous? But in this, like, really yeah. patronizing voice. Um, what, what are some of my, my favorites? Oh, like, you know, I've been to, um, like, a party... And my then partner's family have said, Oh, you're so cute. I just want to take you home in my handbag. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, it's just, yeah, I, I went to spin class and and the instructor was like, Oh, how did you go, pretty one? And that's like, it's sexist. It's also infantilizing. It's just awful. But also, people will just assume I'm stupid, you know, if I say I've got a law degree, then they want me to, like, give them facts about the law to prove that I actually have a law degree. Or just things like, oh, wow, I didn't expect you to be so articulate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I guess, like, you know, I've dealt with, um, grown up with racism and sexism, but I actually, I left New Zealand for two and a half years, didn't come back to any colonial white settler state sort of situation for Mm. two and a half years and I had a great time I was living in Asia Mm. that whole time living and traveling in Asia um and I didn't realize it to the full extent when I was in Asia but I didn't face I basically didn't face racism at all part of that time was in India but and I'm not saying that there is not racism in India because it's <laughs> so much. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The racism under Modi is absolutely Ugh. disgusting. The Islamophobia is, you know, tapping Filthy. into that global sort of Muslim hate. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Like, that is not okay. There are awesome activists um, fighting him right now. Mm. Um, but yeah, so there's definitely racism in India. But as, like, a woman who, even though, you know, I've got short hair and shit going on just having like a Hindu last name Mm. um looking Indian not being too dark Mm. like it was fine like Mm. definitely um a lot less racism um there when I lived in Japan pretty much zero racism although side story it was um interesting because I would have white American expats say things like, oh, you know, living in Japan, like, I I can understand what racism feels like, you know. People, people, <laughs> <laughs> people assume you don't speak Japanese yeah. and, um, you know, they, like, That's look it. at you funny and I'm like, oh, my fucking God. Like, when I was in primary school, I would get beaten up. I wasn't allowed to play mm. in, you know, like, in the in the kids' games unless I agree to be the witch or the oh, robot, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. is what racism is. When mm. I apply for jobs, mm. I don't get them mm. unless there really, really isn't anyone mm. fucking else. And as, like, an American expat coming into Japan, you get a special visa. And, I mean, as a New Zealander, I could go in on, into Japan on that visa. Like, my brownness doesn't matter at that point, mm. which is useful for, for getting visas. Um, 
but you know like as an American you can get into Japan easily um, and people are generally super fucking friendly to you um, and also you get paid decently in fact a lot of the cases in the um, private English conversation schools the expat teachers including myself of course would get paid more than the local teachers even though we'd be equally qualified to do the job and it's not that I would deny that it can be hard and you can experience xenophobia but racism isn't just you know some comments based on color it's like based on historic oppression yeah um and so in Japan it's like Korean people, Chinese people, Taiwanese people, like they face racism. There's definitely yeah. like the fear of the other and, yeah. and yeah, as I said, xenophobia, but that, that's not racism. Yeah. Um, that's just but, a misunderstanding. Yeah, I mean, there, I think there is a, a bit of like, you know, people are quite nasty and rude as well, but it's still not mm. racism. And I, and I think to just to say, now I know what racism feels like mm. is a bit off the charts. I can't actually remember where I was actually going, oh, that's right, I was just talking about in, um, yeah, Asia and India, and uh, sorry, India and Japan, and just generally in Asia, just not facing racism. But I think the other interesting thing was, I did face sexism there. Mm. sexism fucking oh, everywhere. Oh, yeah, but very strong. But not yeah. as much as the sexism I face in Australia. I feel oh. like... Oh, interesting. I, I don't know, like, I haven't really read it. This is, like, based on my own experiences but also talking to a lot of women um i feel like as a brown woman i'm more objectified like i'm even less like a person mm. <laughs> I, I think that's the best way to describe it i'm even less like a person than a white woman and i think um one example would be like just at dinner at a friend's house and me and another woman at the dinner party who um is of Cantonese heritage, like Chinese, I should say. But um, uh, she was saying how men, white men, will just approach her on the street and just sleaze on her mm. or on public yeah. transport. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. As I've said to you before, like yeah. when I came back to Australia after having been in Asia, I'd forgotten because I just went to, you know some art gallery openings and whatnot, and, like, middle-aged white men would just make a beeline for me mm. and start talking about how they love Indian women. <laughs> 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 okay, going back to that dinner party, um, there was also um, a couple of, like, Anglo white women at the party, and funnily enough, they'd never experienced that, never mm. had men just approach them on the street. It happened, I was actually telling my friends this a few months ago and then that night mm. I walked home um, within the inner west and a guy, I don't know if he was with a friend or not but I was talking to a friend on the phone but I hear someone pull over just assume they're being dropped mm. off to go home but no, this is like half past midnight and he comes and taps me on the shoulder he's like, oh you look cute do you want to come smoke up with me? Mm. I'm like, no and but the thing is that no is never taken yeah. as no and then it's yeah. pushed and then you have to yeah. get to that point of saying fuck you leave me the fuck alone and then suddenly you're the crazy bitch on the yeah, street yeah, but like yeah. I don't care 
It's yeah. just like, mm. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of shit it happens less to me now. I don't mm. know if that's because I'm older looking or older or because I've cut all my hair off mm. or, but, um, but yeah, I'm grateful for that, but it certainly hasn't stopped happening because, um, just the other day a friend of mine was talking about, um, how that happens to her on the regular. Yeah, I have so, a really mm. good friend of mine and it, like it, it happened like five times in one week. Yeah. And it just, she, it came to a point with her where she was like, am I the problem? And I'm like, no, you are you not the totally problem. I know, I know, like yeah. And I feel, you know, and even, I just feel like even people who know that racism and sexism exist in a broad mm. way and are fighting against it, sometimes forget how that manifests, like, on a day-to-day mm. basis. And I'm totally against fighting like focusing too much on individuals and sort of this like blaming and scapegoating. But I do, at the same time, like I do think we have agency as individuals and if you're fucking racist or sexist to me, I'm going to call you out. I'm not going to like take a fucking video and put it on YouTube because I do find, you know, a lot of those public transport sort of situations that people are not in top form, often already marginalised. And anyway, like I think the racism and sexism that bothers me most is... As I was saying before, like, if people say I'm exotic, that's easier to sort of shut down. But it's the, you know, being patronised, I guess, mm. more subtly. And you know you are or being shut out of conversations or out of social groups. Um, I find that a lot worse. And mm. it can be done by people who would, you know, otherwise see themselves as mm. progressive and would say that, no, I'm not racist at all. What the fuck are you talking about? Mm. And it's just so hard to, like, yeah to argue those things when it's it's not explicit yeah and yeah and and if you tried to call them on it then you'd be they'd be like no 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 what do you mean you're Mm. you're overreacting you're being crazy etc and then all of a sudden they turn them back on you Mm. yeah even though they are totally being condescending and a prick at the the time exactly and Mm. it it feeds into this whole thing of like women being oversensitive and Mm. crazy and Mm. i've been told that Oversensitive, mm. so many fucking mm. times. Oh, I mean, I, I've, I'm uh, not to make it about me or <laughs> men or anything, but like I've you been told, have. I've sorry, <laughs> Too I've, late. we've like I've and I mentioned on the podcast, I get told that about race all the time. Like yeah. you're just oversensitive about it, and like you you see it. You, know, you see it what, everywhere. Yeah, like it mm. it occupies your mind way too much, and it's like, well. The Harry Condobolu quote. I always come back to the Harry Condobolu. Don't ask me to, like... Don't ask me to not talk about racism. Like, would you tell somebody who's drowning not to talk about water? Like, yeah. yeah. Something like, <laughs> along those lines. I can't remember the quote exactly. But, but yeah. A couple of... One of our first episodes was called Dating While Brown. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. yeah. I, and I, it was... I think, yeah. I think you've, you've heard yeah, that yeah. one, yeah. And um, a lot of that entire podcast was basically done from, like, a male perspective. Yes. Mm. Um, Want to add anything to that? What's it like being <laughs> uh, a queer brown woman dating in Australia? Well, okay. Well, there's, there's so many like, aspects of that. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a brown... Eventually we're going to absolve me of, like... <laughs> 
a certain episode where I went on a rant. Don't worry, <laughs> don't worry. We're getting there. We'll get, we'll That's why you're here, buddy. I know. I know. That's why I'm here. Well, that and a token woman. No, no, no. Listen, you didn't realize that is fact, though. <laughs> that, that insinuates I that I only really became friends with her. Women. We have tried. Okay, look, we've, we've tried. tried so bad. I, I, I have a feeling that. Women don't like us in general. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Or just are willing to actually come out and speak. We were going to have two uh, uh, our friends, Baywatch and Bookworm, on. Yeah. Um, to talk about like feminism yeah, and stuff, true. but they piked at the last second. Yeah. So we were, it was it was just a Why it was a conflict. Thing. I don't know. They're just busy. Yeah. But I feel like there's also an element of underconfidence as well. Like, mm. I do feel like guys are just more willing to just like show up, talk yeah. about some shit, and like. Well, well, like, even I said, like, you know, I need to be prepared. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That might go back to the whole thing your dad said, I guess. You have to be better because, like, you know, you're, you're a woman of colour, etc., yeah. etc. Yeah, I, I talk about yeah. that in one of my poems, actually. Why don't we, you know, yeah. do you want to do, like, I really wanted to, at some point, hear Ladder of Opportun- my Ladder of Opportunity, because that is one of my favourite poems of yours. Alright. I really liked it. But, um... Dating while brown. Yeah, we'll talk let's, about let's that. Let's do that. What's what's <laughs> okay. that like? Um, right. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's difficult because I haven't dated a whole lot in set in like the online or Tinder sense because I've usually, you're not missing out. Yeah, I, I mean, I have been on Tinder. I've, I haven't found any. I, haven't, I found it okay to be honest, but that's because I haven't been looking for that many dates. I think in terms of the queer element. I do feel that I meet a lot of lefty queer women who are quite open and I don't get the exotification thing as much, but I still have gotten it. Um, Definitely just mostly in terms of the objectification, I guess, even Mm. by women, like the, um, the the, you know, you're so cute, I want to take you home Mm. with my handbag. That was like, um, an ex of mine who was a woman that mm. was her family and she defended that like oh mm. you don't mean bad rather than saying oh, I'm really sorry that fucking sucks mm. um but yeah you know still get comments like oh like your like your skin colour it's such a great shade you know it's shit like that like, <laughs> uh, really <laughs> so you know, like, I feel there's that exotification, but I think it plays out differently if you're a brown woman versus if you're a brown man in the sense that, like, it's not like people won't date you. Mm. It's, they will. Mm. But they'll just fit you into a stereotype. Yeah. I guess. Right. I've, I've definitely yeah. had that. Not so much with my Tinder dates of late, but just, you know, over, like, in the past... Um, just meeting people randomly mm. or whatever and then focusing on that element of my identity and it, it is a part of my identity for sure but there's mm. um, yeah so much more to me yeah. I can try New York now okay, and okay. say how I see how I go <laughs> and if I fuck it up a little bit you can keep it in because mm. I do I, even on my YouTube bits mm-hmm. I like because it's like but yeah, I wrote this one shortly after I got to Sydney because the segregation was quite a shock to me coming from New Zealand, um, which is 
I guess, a lot less segregated for a whole bunch of reasons. I think it is actually better multiculturally in terms of government policies and stuff, but it's smaller, which also helps. But um, yeah, I guess I got just stuck on a phrase and yeah, that's what it stemmed from. So, so here it goes. Some say, they say, that New York is a melting pot. I think it's more likely that it's not. But I've never been to New York, so I'll talk about Sydney. And if you'll bear with me, I'll tell you what I see and what I feel like. What the fuck is the deal when I used to live out west? My sweat glands were put to the test because the trains, they were old and didn't have AC and in the winter it was cold and I was told that there were other trains on other lines that weren't the same. I thought it was insane that it wouldn't really be that way. But what can I say? When I went a bit further north, nicer trains came forth. Strongbow becomes recorder league and complaints of independence imposed two-minute noodle diets can be heard as they boast of how hard they have it now and how necessary it is to have their emaciated bodies supplemented with organic grass-fed lamb roast at mum and dad's. As the train spiralled further up over the bridge, the colour changed to green like a scene from Lord of the Rings. Well, almost. From there I could see coast and it was a sea of green with pretty little, actually big houses scattered in between. I guess it's a logical approach. Otherwise, the houses would seem out of place as would be the case if someone did the obscene and added some green six and a half suburbs away. The colour line it ain't blind as I see it twist and wind and unwind and rewind to work with necessary immigration and voluntary gentrification. Meanwhile, Sandberg lean in mentality sells marketable ideas and intersectionality is still just a spelling mistake on MS word. Stuck with unreachable low expectations ultimate suffocation of discrimination. Wow, your English is really good. <laughs> Luckily, I blow that shit out of the water. Like my dad told me, I order and need to do to survive and pretend to thrive. We'll work harder and faster and better for less and they can try their best but blonde smiling positivity can't fuck with immigrant productivity, can't fuck with desperation productivity and it's kind of outrageous because it pushes down wages but we don't notice because we're otherwise occupied fighting off the lies, fighting off what we're denied in the concrete walls of segregation generation after generation. Maybe. Maybe we should be what we're not. Maybe we should dive on in, right into the melting pot. What the fuck is a melting pot anyway? Well, it's hard to say, but we're more than half water, so that order give us a clue. We'd be soup, and if we were mostly white, we'd cleanse out those exotic delights and be an amazing inspiration a product of committed blind assimilation. But come on, white or brown or not, if you chucked us in a pot, we'd not produce white or even melted rainbow mud. Instead, we'd be red and passionate and dangerous 
and laced with each other's blood. Yet here we are, leaning in to change, trying to rearrange representation, diversity cards chosen without hesitation. But for most of us, it's the same game over and over again. Look, there's no end to this conversation. I was just after genuine integration, not compulsory assimilation sandwiched between white picket fence segregation. So next time you hear that New York is a melting pot, depending on whether you've been or not, you could just talk about the glowing example Sydney's got, or not. Yeah, so... <laughs> Fuck Sydney. <laughs> Fuck Sydney. Hating on Sydney is one of my favourite topics. <laughs> yeah, I know. But we'd have to call you in again and yeah, do another it's... hour on it because I'm just, I I'm just on hating up Sydney. about it. I, oh, I, I have so many feelings about it. I, I mean, you know, I don't have the issue of having grown up here and having mm. that extra baggage, but I guess mm. just coming back here from Asia, just the level of what I like to call race sexism. Yeah. It just like gets me the condescension and the disrespect and you know, as well and like places that are considered progressive. Mm. Like Newtown. I was walking down the street. <laughs> Newtown's such a joke about it. I know. I know. <laughs> but look, let me slag it off. Yeah, yes. okay, go, go, go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I hang out in not, Hashtag not all, not all Newtown. Not, not all Newtown. Yeah, no, not all Newtowns. <laughs> and it's got good veggie food, so you can mm, find yeah. me there. That is true. Um, but, you know, I was just walking down the street, woman's trimming her hedge. This is just one of those streets off King Street. And um, so I have to walk off the footpath. She's taking up the whole fucking thing. Fine, whatever. And I just pleasantly walked on my way, and she's like, under her breath. Yeah, walk in the gutter where you belong. Whoa! <laughs> and I, I mean, I didn't say anything to her because I was just, because, you know, there's some things you expect, you know, and then you talk back to it. That like when one. When guys approach me on the, the street or whatever, I'm just like, you know. That, that one is, like, that's, a, that's a king hit. That, that's, that's mental. That is some, like, nuts. Racism. I know. <laughs> like, it is. Yeah. It's like hipster ironic. Oh. Getting, was she a younger or an older? No, she was, she was a bit older. Yeah, yeah. wow. Um, yeah. Hilarious. My, yeah, it was, and another, like, um, I actually went to, like, a poetry reading, of all things, also in Newtown. And it was the day of the election in 2013. I fucking remember because she asked me what I'd been doing and I'd been doing a refugee stall, handing out to people. And one thing led to another. She was obviously anti-refugee, so I kept talking to her about, you know, all the refugees scapegoating in the media and how atrocious Australia's policies are. And she kept wanting to take it to racism. And I was like, sure, you know. Um, <laughs> okay. Like, um, how was she doing that? Basically, by saying, "Oh, well, look, it's not really racist, mm. you know." There's oh, reasons right. oh, for this, okay. and then like, then taking it broader, like, yeah. Economics. Start, and start talking about refugees. She was like, and I, I guess, or maybe I brought up the racism in the sense that the refugee scapegoating is racist, and there's mm. Islam oh, yeah. that is also yeah. racist. 
but I guess taking it, I guess in, in her defense of why racism is okay, <laughs> um, she met, took it broader in the sense of using an example, you know, we like a good example. And her example was like, oh, you know, like, oh, actually she brought in Aboriginal people as well in terms of the views that people have of Aboriginal people. Like, it's not that people are racist, it's that they might have had an incident. She talked about her friend um, <laughs> who yes. had had a run-in with a Chinese person one time. They had been really angry and now they're afraid of Chinese people just like one would be afraid of dogs or spiders. She said that. So, you know. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> um, That's fucked. And then she was like, oh, and look, you know, look at you. You're getting all defensive now. Look at your body language. And she was like, just being a general jerk and analyzing mm. my body language. But what was worse is that by that point, the five or six other feminists, because it was a women's poetry reading thing, and I, I, I think it would be fair to say that most of those people identified as feminists, were listening to this whole conversation with um, me trying to shut her down and her putting forward these entirely bigoted arguments that from that, you know, because it wasn't like we're just having, I don't mind having a discussion about racism and someone saying that's not racist and then us talking about it in a generally respectful manner. But mm. this was not that. This was beyond mm. the line of what we can have mm. a respectful conversation mm. about. And no, no one else jumped in and said, hey, this is a space in which we do not tolerate racism and you can either shut the fuck up with your racism or you can leave. Mm, 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 and I yeah, found that quite shocking. And this all happened sort of in the first few months of me coming back to Australia. Mm. So I was just, it was awful. Like, it was not it's, a good start. One thing, one thing that I wanted to, we were going to touch on anyway was white feminism. Mm. Oh, and... Yeah. Um, you know, with the women's march happening and stuff. So I was going to ask, is that a white feminism thing or do you think that's an Australian thing? Wait, which, wait, what's the... So the issue that you just spoke, do you think that was, that came from like a white feminist like space or did it come from like an oh, Australian thing? Maybe both. Yeah. I reckon because Australia is known for its racism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's good reason for that. I mean, mm. even like the stuff happening with Trump and mm. him putting in his Muslim ban. Mm. They're making an exception for Muslims who are dual citizens with Australia because mm. Australia is so awesome with oh, its racism my God. that, you know, it can I did be not the know this. Wow. I don't know if it's going ahead because, yeah. you know, shit changes every yeah, yeah, five yeah, minutes yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff that Trump's pulling out yeah. of the hat. But, like, you know, obviously, if you're an Australian Muslim, it means you can travel to the States and that's good on that individual level. But, like, mm. you know, what that means, like, that is what that is a statement of. Like, yeah, we know Australia, you are on our side mm. with Islamophobia. Like, Islamophobia is not a thing, yeah. according to the racists. Yeah, yeah. We're just, like, shutting well, down Scott, the terrorists. Didn't Scott Morrison, is that his name, Scott Morrison? Yeah. Yeah, didn't he come out and say, oh, look at us, we're so ahead of the curve, like we... Oh, yeah, he yeah, said yeah. something like, you know, look, the world's finally, oh, America's yeah. catching up, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of Julie Bishop or something like this. They were so foul. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think, you know, I think that's it speaks a lot. 
So what what is this thing about white feminism that like I read a lot about it that in in some ways that it's um the, so we had the women's march yeah. um when was it last weekend mm. um in response to Trump's inauguration and Trump's mm. presidency and the all that assault that um his cabinet or, or whatever is is having on women's rights etc 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 um there's a lot of um alluding to that it was like a white feminist movement um a lot of like i saw a lot of signs saying oh so are all you white women going to be at the next or you know black lives matters protest blah 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 what is what is it what are the characteristics of white feminism that people are talking about when they talk about it in disparagingly etc cetera, etc cetera. okay sure and then we can come back to the women's match which i think yeah. has elements yeah, sure, sure, sure. Different thing. Yeah. But I, I think when people talk about white feminism, mm. um, to be fair, like I mostly read about it on blogs. I, you know, there is a bit of it here in Sydney as well, like discussions about it, I mean. But they're basically talking about a feminist movement that is about furthering the rights for middle class white women like focus right. on representation in boardrooms mm. Um, mm. in movies mm. right. sort of sh- you know like not taking into account um, the impact of being queer or mm. being a woman of colour mm. um, being a working class woman you know what the impact that all of that has I guess mm. so that's how it's spoken about disparagingly um and I think those are all fair criticisms because I yeah. think um, a lot of that does happen and I think um, there are a lot of feminist groups even around Sydney who do have a lot more um, white women involved than women of colour proportionally but that's changing a lot and a lot of the groups have gone out of their way to change that and yeah. recognise that. But that, that's what that's getting at. And I, and I definitely think it's a fair criticism. But at some level, it can be divisive as well. Because at the same time, there are heaps of white feminists who are completely intersectional and, you know, will turn up to the Invasion Day rally, mm. will be there at the Palm Sunday rally to support refugees, are, you know, speaking out against the, the ban on Muslims that, that Trump has put on. Uh, and they're, you know, having these conversations all the time. So, yeah, I think, like, the criticism has a genuine basis. But at the same time, like, I feel like when you take it too far, it does get, it does get divisive. Mm. Um, and I think generally, like my perspective, feminism does have this problem of being very much sort of a middle class or, like, even more than that yeah not not about working class women at all and too focused on representation and not about the wins for the broader group of women more generally in terms of access to health and welfare um you know single parent payments and and so on that gillard crushed back in the day which is ironic given her misogyny speech that got lots of kudos and made the rounds um but coming back to the women's march like Mm. i think um on one hand it was it was definitely 
began as a white feminism thing, from what I understand in terms of the organizers and stuff, but that was broadened very quickly. Um, and it should be noted that the march was about, you know, it was about women predominantly, but it was broader than that. It was for the rights of um, LGBTI people, it was for the rights of Muslims as well. Um, but at the same time, um, just looking at, um, we spoke about it earlier, just looking at um, this big sort of booklet thing that they released beforehand, one of the things I noticed was just the emphasis on this being a peaceful rally mm. and the cops being there to protect the protesters. Mm. And I think that shows a level of um, ignorance and a lack of understanding about who gets targeted by police yeah, at rallies yeah. or otherwise. Yeah. And in fact, the Invasion Day rally mm. is a good example of that. When a rally that was just as peaceful mm. as a women's march um, got like stormed on by New South Wales police who as we know have a culture of being violent but we'll put that aside and it's definitely seemed <clears throat> premeditated and um, one of the activists had taken out um, an Australian flag and had was pouring some sort of flammable liquid on it to light it on fire but it wasn't actually lit at the time and police just like stormed through um, a whole um, crowd of people, which included women and older people and families, um, and yeah, lots, yeah, just people from all walks of life, really, and um, broke. I think one woman's ribs were broken, mm. um, and a whole bunch of people were injured. And it's not actually a crime mm. to burn a flag at all. And um, even if it was, so, are you going to, like, injure people to stop someone yeah. burning a piece of fabric? Yeah. Like, what's going ridiculous. on? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah, one of the things with the... Um, uh, with especially with the women's march and that that idea that you know, the police are there to protect you, and I think that especially in, the, in America... They were praising it as such a, a peaceful protest, and there was a lot of you know people on Twitter going, you know, that's how you're supposed to protest, right? <laughs> that sort of loaded bullshit terminology. Yeah, see, that's the kind of shit I didn't like yeah. around yeah. the women's march. It was this like, oh, you know, we're we're the proper <laughs> yeah, and, and well-mannered people. And we're going to have a but, peaceful protest. But the thing is, you look at you look at the the optics of it. Do you honestly think that police are going to get aggressive at a, let's call it a white women's march, right? When compared to how aggressive they get at, uh, in, in America anyway, at a Black Lives Matter march. Which where, is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've, but, I've but, been at them, they're great. But the thing <laughs> is, the, but the aggression, you would, the aggression yeah. levels you would see just based on race purely... Yeah. And the fact, yeah, and like you know, it's it, the PR nightmare that it would be if it actually did get violent. Oh yeah, at the women's because we market. must protect white women. Yeah. That's so yeah. important. That, and there you is know. that kind of a, yeah. a, a, you know, a feeling behind it that yeah. that that's that's 
pretty much, I mean, yes, you can call it a peaceful protest, but mm. there was never going to be any any issue there. Start I, I also, like, have this thing about, like, really benign kind of, like, passive activism. Like, knitting a hat and wearing it. Cupcakes for humanity. Safety pin. These safety pin shit. And, like, whilst the march was fucking huge and important and stuff like that, it needs to be just as hard-hitting the next time and it needs to be, like, just... Like waves of force again and again and again. Whereas this feels like a one-off as well. I hope it's not. I I feel like there are people working to try and make sure it's not. And Mm. Mm. you know, but I agree. Like I think Mm. there needs to be demands and it needs to be more than that. Um, But I think I think one of the good things about the march it did take like a lot of people went to that march who have never been. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think you have to look at that as a good thing. But I I agree. Like I. Yeah. yeah. It's a very kind of like uh, safe kind of activism that it's it's like oh that's cute. Like mm. do you know what I mean? Not not saying like and I don't mean that in a sexist way or anything like that, but it's kind of like Yeah, it's it's safe. Mm. Um but you know like on on the on the on the other side of the coin, the stuff that you saw at the airports recently that, with, with the Muslim mm. banner, that really got shit going, I felt. Oh, and that, that was great. That was beautiful. Amazing. Yeah, it was heartening. I actually almost felt like, like humanity that had really a chance. Really felt like for the first time, I was like, yeah, like people, you know, the ISIS guys, if they were to watch this, would be like, oh shit, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like, wow, that's like a them. perfect antidote to mm. all of that shit. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. I was actually like quietly very proud of it all. Mm. Like, um, yeah, and I think you know the one did lead to the other. Mm. I do think if he didn't have the feminist. Um, the women's march you wouldn't have seen such a strong maybe outcry perhaps but yeah one thing I did want to talk about um, I guess along the lines of um, feminism and religion Mm. now there is there is obviously going to be clashes of culture that you know are unavoidable Mm. Um, obviously steeped in patriarchy is a big, big, you know, um, contributor to all of that. But, um, like just, I guess to, to, um, put it down to a simple example of feminism versus the hijab, for example, where Mm. some feminists would see that as a, um, as a, a physical sign of oppression, Whereas obviously, yeah, well, in I've heard a lot of cases where Muslim women are coming out and saying, "No, this is part of who I am." Mm. Don't and and it, for me, it seems like it's also steeped in some condescension in amongst it all. Mm. Uh, where do you have do you have thoughts on that? In yeah, terms of I have quite strong thoughts mm. in the sense that I support a woman's right to wear the hijab, and I think, like in France, they've. Mm ban the hijab and that a lot of that has come from the left and mm. from the feminist left and right. that's disgusting yeah. and unacceptable yeah. okay. and it is condescending um, and you know like like there are elements of culture that we may consider aren't great for women but at the end of the day that's across all cultures and mm. women mm. all cultures are required to fit into certain norms Mm. And in our current context, it's absolutely a woman's choice to decide 
what she wants to wear mm. and it's no one else's fucking business mm. and they don't get to have a say mm. in it and so um yeah i don't see why the hijab is oppressive in and of itself mm. like it's mm. not yeah okay um I, yeah i don't see how the hijab is any like it's comparable to a like to a, a Sikh guy deciding to wear a turban mm. in many ways. Like it's a dedication to your faith amongst many many other things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this argument that like, you know, women are made to do it by their fathers and brothers, yeah. which look in some situations is probably the case. But mm. women are made to do a whole raft of shit. Yeah. 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 Which is yeah. So, like, why pick on that one? Maybe yeah. Islamophobia and because we want to, you know, paint brown women as submissive mm. and brown men as monsters, mm. um, you mm. know, which fits the prevailing discourse, mm. I guess, which yeah. we can talk about that more now or later or whenever. Brown men as monsters. Yes. <laughs> Let's go there. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> because, and I wrote this down because I looked it up, because um, we are monsters. Right? Episode twenty four oh, of the myth, yes. oh. the mince masculinity so fragile. Ah, oh, you want you, okay? Yeah, I want to be absolved there. today of of me for, being. Forgive, me, for, forgive us <laughs> unity, for we have sinned. <laughs> well, this is okay, it has so, been. So, it has been, well, and I actually have sent four unity episodes this podcast. since my last confession. I, I did send <laughs> unity this podcast a while ago, so she would listen and. I, I wanted to hear her thoughts on it. And in that episode, <laughs> I went on quite a large rant about um, several uh, female comics who had made comments that I felt in some ways put down men of colour. And, and I would say I did agree with this yes, as well. Yes, but a lot of people disagreed with us, T-Bone. Yeah, that's right. A lot of opposition. A lot of women disagreed with us. Mm. Um, uh, some of my male friends also disagreed with me, saying that I was potentially too sensitive. <laughs> um, and this was a man of colour. This was a man of colour. Um, and even the person you taught was a woman of colour. Yeah. Who suggested that, yeah, that yeah. you know, we, I don't know what mm-hmm. that person But it was suggested that potentially... Um, we were being overly sensitive, and that that it wasn't something to be trumpeted. Do we do we need to be more explicit as to what was said? Yeah, I yeah okay. So basically, there were, okay. So there were there were two there were two um, okay. There was one female comic who was basically um, lauding the wonders of white dick. Um, Specifically, white dick. They, they were both African American. No, and that, that was the one Australian comic oh, that I was um, talking oh, about. Oh, but then yeah, there were also that, two yeah. African American yeah, comics right. that were applauding a white man who came up on stage and uh, said that right. he that he exclusively dated women of color. That's right. Yeah. And also that really made me cringe, like supremely. Mm. Like I thought that was disgusting, especially the applause more so than the statement. Sure. <laughs> um, really made me cringe. Um, am I right in saying that's all fuckery and I'm right? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, yeah, I don't get the final say on the matter, but in my opinion... Oh, this is the final say yeah. on the matter. <laughs> he needs to right. sleep. I need closure. <laughs> he needs to sleep tonight. This is the fucking final say. 
Yes, 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 yeah. Bra, bra. <laughs> Get that holy water out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is, it's fetishization. I can never yes. say that word properly. Yeah. And exotification. Yeah. Like, it's just foul. And, it, it, I mean, um, I've had quite a few discussions with friends about this as well. And, like, I'm not going to get up in arms at an individual who says they have a preference for Asian women or mm. women of colour or whatever. I'm going to think they're foul and stay the fuck clear of them. Mm. But, you know, like, I understand that there's a social context that leads people to feel this way. Mm. But, like, if we look at it as a phenomenon, I think we have to peg it as racist. Mm. And I think when we're talking about men liking women, it's also sexist yes. objectification. Yes. I think the other way about when women like like a brown woman only dates white men, mm. say, I think that is also racist. Um, not sexist, <laughs> but it's racist for sure. Yes. But when it's like women being exotified, fetishized, I hate that word. Anyway, um, it's a difficult word. It is a difficult yeah. word to say. Is, I prefer yeah. to write it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, the new F word. You can just say the F word. The, the F, F word. word. <laughs> when they are F worded. Um, yeah, we'll see this. This brings up this. Yeah, yeah that's. Not when they're fetish sized. Fetish sized. When they're fetish sized. Anyway, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's both racist and sexist. And there's. You know, I mean, when it's Asian women in particular, it's mm. called yellow fever. Mm. And, it's, and when I lived in Japan, I had lots of men being quite open about that, about mm. their preference for Asian women. Mm, mm, mm. But, I mean, when you have this preference, you're like boiling someone down to their racial identity, mm -hmm. which is just nuts. Because mm. there's so much to a person and there's so much stereotyping both positive and negative you know that, that comes along with any sort of racial stereotype and that's all imposed on you mm. and you're not liked and appreciated and loved for being yourself and mm. being awesome being. Yeah. and a human being mm. you're loved for, for fulfilling mm. a stereotype yeah. and that's awful mm. on a personal level mm. and like yeah on a broader level yeah, it's it's racist. Is it's it ra sexist. Is it racist if a man of color says he exclusively dates women of color? Hmm. <laughs> nah. I think that's like, uh, you know, it's kind of pop slang, which I'm not a huge fan of, but it's just like an in-group bias and the familiar mm. sort of happening. Mm. I guess. Right. Um, you know, I don't think it's good. Either I think it's a bit narrow-minded and probably comes from a place of conservatism. Yeah, but it can and also maybe I mean xenophobic. Yeah, yeah sorry, I was going to say it can also be circumstantial in that you know, for example, if you are living in India, the the ability for you to meet people from outside of that culture mm. is harder. Yeah. So it could just be a situational, you know. But it could thing. also be solidarity. Yeah, oh, and the familiar, like, I think, yeah. that we've, you've all spoken about before. Like, if, for example, tomorrow I said, I exclusively date women of colour, that would be like, yo, 
immigrant massive what's up like you know what i mean yeah. you know what i mean like it could be yeah. that it, it could, could be, be that, a solidarity yeah. move yeah um or that you understand that there's a um the the relatability and also the fact that going a bit back to lived experience mm. i can i can probably connect more with a brown girl in general in certain um regarding certain lived experiences mm. where they will understand why i was angry that you know um somebody said something that was slightly racist mm. whereas you know potentially if you had a yeah, a, a uh, white girlfriend I, you could yeah. they'd be like what do you mean like i don't i don't get it kind of thing which could again that's a, just a very a yeah, small in the, in example in the past i could have asked for that yeah absolutely yeah. like i've heard that yeah i mean i can i know like i i can relate to that mm. like i think having someone who understands your lived experience is really powerful in terms of connecting but at mm. the same time not so much with our dated but friends who are brown can also be in that camp of denying that racism exists Oh, okay. Thing to face, you know, being like, oh, you know, I've never had that experience. Oh, ah, yeah. Speak on that. That's really mm. interesting. I've, I've, don't know how much I've, in- I've encountered it maybe once, and that came from like an ultra conservative kind of human being, mm. who thought most racism was just not worth talking about because it got into, in the way of the greater thing that is, capitalism. <laughs> so, oh, like, but that's a, like I think that's the sort of angle. It's yeah. like people who are brown but have been successful in mm. this sort of capitalistic kind yeah. of way and working their corporate jobs oh, and they're like, you know, that. if you just fucking knuckle down and yeah, work, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. anything. But it's like, yeah. yeah, you can, but that doesn't change the fact that racism exists. exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just you've choose, chosen to ignore it. Like, you're, yeah. you're more deaf to it, great. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know. I mean... You know, I'm not, a, and I guess this is why it's more friends and acquaintances rather than people I date because mm. I don't date capitalist dickheads. Mm. <laughs> 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 Socialistsingles.com. <laughs> well, my Tinder profile does say something like, you know, martial artist, poet, whiskey drinker, socialist, socialist, whiskey drinker. <laughs> Mine was more subtle. My Tinder profile said. Fuck <laughs> My Tinder profile was just. Um, Bice, brick, button ups, and boom bath. So that, that, that first one is a reference to an anarchist already. So, like, you know. So if they got it. it but it was. But you can't have something so, like. Obscure? Obscure on an app like Tinder, which yeah, is yeah. so gratuitously yeah, graphic right, and, like, right. you know, explicit. It may have but, gone um, over some people's yeah, heads. Yeah. They would have just gone looked at you on beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, <laughs> but I'm oh, absolved, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm absolved oh, now? Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. yeah, yes. But, yes, you are absolved, but I'd actually like to go back that point when we were talking about brown men being seen as monsters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we've been true. discussing mm. Cologne yeah. back in, I think, New Year's Eve, mm. not the one just been, but the one before, so mm. that end of 2015, I guess. And all these sexual assaults on women. Where uh, hordes of Arab men were blamed for yeah, these sexual North assaults. Africa. Yeah, North Africa. And it's, you know, I think it was found that a lot of. Was untrue, right? A lot. Yeah. But a lot of it was untrue, but there was an element of truth in it in terms mm. of the people who were eventually mm. 
convicted. And yeah. and look, let's let's take that at face value. And there were all these women attacked by men who were of Arab and North African mm -hmm. origins, yeah. and some of them were asylum seekers. But and can I just say, to start with. It's absolutely fucking disgusting. There's never, ever an excuse for sexual assault, absolutely. any sort yeah. of sexism, yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, but, it's not really a but, but it's more like, that said, there's no reason to bring racism into, into it. that. Yeah, exactly. And, and that is exactly what was done. It's yeah. like, oh, you know, now we've got to keep these Arabs out of the country. Yeah. It's like, guys, you're already doing that. You're already. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and, it, like, and it cheapened the actual crime. Like big time, like yeah. it made it about something other than the it was men that suffered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not 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 so much a black men or brown men. There were men. Yeah. yeah, that should have been the focus. That's right, and, and and the crime itself, and just and also, I guess the broader cultural context that like objectifies, sexualizes, demeans women mm. in Germany. Mm. Right, Germany's not free from rape and domestic violence. A few years before that incident, a rape was reported at Oktoberfest, mm. and, you know, along with, like, 99 sexual assaults. Did yeah. you see that all over no. there? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we fucking didn't. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I guess um, when I was living in... I, I got to India shortly after um, the Delhi rape that mm. everyone oh, right, knows yeah. about. And so, you know, I... I was like, I had the Indian news media that was what I heard about the issue because mm. I, was, I was in the country and it was all about the protests and thousands upon thousands of yes. people all yeah. over the country yeah. went out and protested in... Women, awful, lots of women. Yeah, yeah, more men than women. Oh, really? Which I oh, think is right. awesome. Yeah. It says a lot. And, yeah. it, and I mean, there were elements of the protests I didn't agree with it in the sense of like focusing a lot on the death penalty and I don't mm. think that's the solution mm. to rape but in the sense of people coming out in support of women's rights mm. to be safe and not victim blaming mm. um, and you know the police were fucking at them mm. like with sticks and tear mm. gas and whatnot. and it was like a cold like people imagine Delhi as a hot place Delhi it's is colder freezing. than Sydney Yeah, in Delhi's winter. freezing. Sydney yeah. winters are fucking nothing. Nothing compared mm. to like, Delhi ones. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Delhi is also a dump. But anyway. <laughs> I like Delhi. I hate Delhi. <laughs> I'd rather live in Delhi than Sydney. Oh, yeah, so would I. But like... Um... <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's it all. Are we can agree on something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but then I came back to Australia and started talking to my, um, you know, Australian and New Zealand friends about it, and a lot of them were like, oh, you know, oh, that rape was awful, mm. like, there's so much, like, mm. issues with rape in India and mm. stuff, and I was like, yeah, there is, and it's disgusting, but there's also issues with rape in New Zealand and in the States, in Australia, mm. and lots of people, by lots, I mean, tens and maybe even hundreds of thousands, if you count everyone who went out to any vigil or any protest around that time, all these people protested and like people just hadn't had as much exposure to the coverage about mm. the protests it was all about the rape and like case studies on how you know rape is so bad in Delhi which it is it's bad it is so bad but mm. I I don't think that calls for a comparison or a look at how India is yeah. so backward especially 
when there's like a positive element of all mm. these people like um, protesting mm. and fighting back. And, yeah. and I think that's just like, it's just this demonizing of brown men. And like, yeah. you know, as I said, Oktoberfest didn't have that same attention. Mm. Steubenville happened around the same time as Italian And Red you were Fest. mentioning like more recently Summer Nats or whatever. Yeah, yeah Summer yeah. Nats in yeah. Australia. I which is which is what again? I, I'm not too it's sure. It's like this like car event where right. like thousands of people come and they're like massive horsepower cars and right. drive them around. And look, I'm not on top of the whole event. I'm not a huge car person. <laughs> yeah, neither. But they used to have, um, and, and you know, it's slightly different in the case that there's not like I don't know of any reported rapes, but like it would surprise me if there weren't any. Mm. But they, until not long ago, they had like wet t-shirt competitions mm. and like topless women mm. parading around. And now there's like a street called Tough Street. I don't know. I don't know what the street's called, but mm. um, basically, streets where there's hordes of men looking for women to like surround them and yell at them to like take the tops off. Like, what? And there's like video footage or something. That happens in Australia. Oh yeah. Holy shit! But you know, like um. And I was reading um, about situations where, like, one of the Macca's drive-throughs doesn't put any women on the drive-through yeah. window, and it's like, if the event leads to the situation where a woman cannot do her job safely, yeah. either the event has to start kicking people out yeah. of the event or in the hundreds without giving yeah. them the fucking money back, in yeah. my opinion, yeah. or the event can't run. Yeah. You know, and there was another story I'd read about a guy having to, like, lie on his um, female friend to stop her from the, all the hands oh, of other men. God. And, you know, like, there's men holding signs saying, tits out for the boys and stuff. And, um, yeah, this is Australia. But this is Australia where, like, you know, 11 or 20 or, or however many people of the Cronulla sharks or whatever yeah. the fuck they're called can like rape a 19 year old yeah. woman repeatedly and then nothing ever How happens. happens. Yeah. And you know, there's so yeah. been so many cases with the various football codes, rugby yeah. codes, whatever the fuck. Yeah. Game of the ball and the guys. Yeah, game. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like game. being, you know, no, not, not all rugby players are shit, but you <laughs> know, there, there is a culture of like, yeah, yeah being like, Macho and blokey and yeah. whatnot, and like boys will be soul. boys. Yeah, boys yeah. will be boys. I have a poem called "Girls Will Be Girls" and "Boys Will Be Boys." I have a poem on everything. <laughs> any that, chance? That, any that, chance you can remember that's it? That's how I deal with my life. Because <laughs> 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 like it's fucking constant, you know. Yeah, yeah. Shit. Yeah. But you know, like I try not to. But as I said, I try not to focus on individuals too much. But you know, like sometimes it does get you down, and then there's PMS and you know, like work. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, like someone else was foul. But it's just like, and it was mostly in all the pictures I saw. It was mostly like white guys, and no one's coming out and saying, you know, yeah, all these white exactly. people, their culture is so exactly. backward. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and. And, you know, it doesn't need to be said because the issue here is, like, is, a, is about sexism. And so, similarly, when the cologne attack happens or when there's rapes in Delhi, we don't need to talk about the brown factor mm. because that is not the main factor. Yeah. Like, it's just mm. another cheap shot at racism, especially yeah. from the right, which is so often sexist and suddenly yeah. they're caring about... Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. It's really scary what's happening in America now with um, just... Uh, I'm really, like, fascinated by this, you know, evangelical takeover of the government that's happening over there. Like, I'm a big Jeremy Scahill fan and The Intercept fan and just reading all this work he's done about, like, Blackwater and Eric Prince and all these people who are, like, really into this notion of, like, the the Crusades 2.0 kind of, Rahola, like, who are, all now, who are all basically have the most, like, powerful positions on Earth now. And, like, it's fucking terrifying. <laughs> like, it is terrifying. Mm. Um, yeah, just, I, yes, all that. Is... Is abortion legal in New South Wales? I believe so, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. But it's very is difficult. It? It's difficult, though, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. See, you need... I know in the ACT, it's, like, legal. Like, mm. I know in Melbourne, to some degree, it's, like, completely legal. But in New South Wales, I do think you need, like, a degree of, like, qualification from a doctor to get the go-ahead. Yeah, oh, interesting. I and I think the Greens that. are trying to pass through something yeah. now that's... I have, to be honest, I haven't kept on top of that, but yeah, that's... It's like called Section 16A or something. I followed it on Facebook. Yeah. and Because um, I had this conversation with a friend of mine, and she's like, no, it's 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 legal. And I'm saying that no, it is legal, it's just really, really difficult, right? It's difficult, yeah. which, yeah. yeah. It makes it... Because, yeah, you, you're like... You have to prove your case. Mm. say that your physical like your health or your mental mm, health mm, means mm. that you require this mm. abortion whereas actually really it should just be like if you're within a time frame where you can safely for your own safety have that abortion mm. then you get to have the fucking abortion yeah like yeah. no brainer mm. what do you think of an organisation like Code Pink don't know it okay bugger edit that out Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about was um, the idea of men being feminist and whether you well whether you believe that's a thing Um, I mean I've got my own opinions on how legitimate that is and it is it gets into this murky territory for me in that one I don't I'm, and I'm borrowing from a, a comedian, W. Kamau Bell. He actually said that I don't believe I can call myself a feminist. I would have to have somebody bestow that upon me, for starters. But the idea that, uh, well, one, what does it mean to be a feminist for a guy is a bit tricky in that, you know, I, I, I could feel like I have... Okay, so yes, I believe in... Equality. I believe that you know, woman should have um, the right to do with her body whatever she wants. Uh, equal pay. I do believe in in women's rights. Do I objectify women? Yes. Like you know, whether that be a character flaw or not, that is something that I do. And I get into this thing of do I? Well, one, can I call myself a feminist? Do I need to call myself a feminist? Is that a you know? Is there is there a like do I need to cl- is that a classification that's an, a necessity to be a, a you know a good guy, as it were. So sorry, things. sorry, sorry. I just threw that at you, but like no, that's really good. Man. But it was just one of those yeah. things that I just wanted yeah, to kind of kind of throw. I well, I would um, 
as I was saying earlier, I would call myself a socialist. But if you ask me if I was a feminist, I would also say yes, because I think even though I have issues with this, you know, white middle-class feminism, I think essentially the core of what feminism means in everyday sort of speak mm. is being against the oppression of women, being... Um, against objectification, being for equal pay, being for abortion, you know, women's right to choose. Um, and I guess in that sense, that like feminism is, it's like, uh, like a range of views that, but like some of what I've listed, saying that you support those. And I reckon if you support those and, you, and you're a guy, you can call yourself a feminist. Okay. It's like, I, in my opinion, I think that's totally fine. And I guess in terms of you talking about you still objectify women, I still objectify women. <laughs> um, but it's like being critical, you know, and having self-reflection about that. None yeah. of us is perfect. And mm. we are raised in this context of, um, of sexism, of racism, of seeing women as lesser. You know, women internalize that. Like earlier I was talking about women being underconfident and that's not because I think that's biological. It's because mm -hmm. we're taught to be, that yeah. we're less. Yeah, of course yeah. we're going to be underconfident yeah, unless yeah. we have awesome support systems that mitigate that. And mm. so many of us don't. And mm. so I think if you're a guy and you... Uh, against the oppression of women, you recognize that objectification is an issue and you're against the objectification of women, even though you might do it sometimes, but you still have some reflection about that and realize, you know, what causes it and that it's problematic, then I think, yeah, of course you can call yourself a feminist. I do have a bit of a problem with it. Um, and I think my issue with it is just how zeitgeisty that is. Mm. In that it takes, I do think when men come out and say it, all of a sudden there's an extra bit of weight attached to it, which kind of pisses me off. Um, I do also think that when men say it, it is also maybe sometimes, I, I strongly believe when it comes to issues like this, we sh men, I, I strongly believe in listening. As opposed to being like, ah, like, which is also important, yes, but our sure. first job is to listen and understand and put forward, right. as opposed to putting ourselves forward and go, yo, I'm a feminist. Like, which is important as well, I, I agree, but like, I, I, for me, it's more the zeitgeisty nature of it that shits me. That, that, where that when, badge You know, when Aziz Ansari comes out and he's like, oh, you know, I'm a feminist, ah, pasta, ah. <laughs> like, you know, like when he comes out and he says it, and all of a sudden there's applause, and I'm like, you're. I don't know. For me, it's like, why is it more profound when a man says... Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I also... Mean, I don't care for Aziz inside. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> but, does that... Is that resonating with anyone, yeah. or is it just me? Like... Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like, it's shit when women have been fighting for ages, and yeah. it's um, probably white, but not Aziz Ansari, but... You know. He's white. <laughs> I'm joking. You're not as he's. You're not. I'm kidding. Because he, he's listening. I'm yeah. just really bitter, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. anyway. Yeah. Look, let's put. <laughs> let's put. Okay, 
put that put that on the show. <laughs> this we'll is a common theme later. of every podcast. Yeah, I know. Me disliking. You know, I'm impressed at how you can just weave them in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyway. <laughs> That's how deep the hate is. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I do think it's shit when women have been fighting for something for ages and then some, like, well-dressed white man comes mm. along and he hears applause and women have been dealing with you, you know, yeah. you dyke, you, like, hateful... Yeah. Feminist, like you're, you know, no one's ever gonna love you, no one's ever gonna fuck you unless it's me when I rape you, kind of shit, mm. all the time. But I mean, like that doesn't mean that men shouldn't call themselves feminists. It might mean that maybe, hey, if the men's could prevent themselves from taking over all the things, mm. that would be nice. <laughs> um, because yeah, I think guys are listened to more mm. and given more cred in. Most contexts, mm-hmm. and again, I think it comes down to like having a level of self-reflection and mm-hmm. not interrupting and just not being a douchebag. It's mm-hmm. actually not that hard. Like, you can call yourself a male feminist, not be a douchebag, and all is good. And not try and like be opportunistic about using that label mm-hmm. right. as you know to build a brand or get cred or whatever. And I think for the most part. Like, people don't do that except for celebrities. And mm. they're a whole different can of worms that mm. I just think we don't need to worry about mm. in terms of what we do in, like, an everyday sort of space or a grassroots sort of space, I guess. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Aziz and Harry is not in that space. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of the space, Aziz. Stop so, taking up space, Aziz, mate. You're in, you're in <laughs> my space, you're in my space. <laughs> Just get out of my field of vision, Aziz. No, but Stop like, so successful. I do That's find it really puke-worthy when I see it in, like, Instagram bios and stuff. Like, male Instagram bios. Be a feminist. Like, fuck off, dude. Like, <laughs> bit of a moron. Um, oh, T-Bone. Do you know what happened? Who you harsh on quite a lot of people? Who else was I really harsh on? Just everyone except three people, you know. They were good, though. You were one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you made the cut, Who was Bella? Christian one. Oh, then who was Hannah? The, um, the rapper one. Which one was she? The Muslim girl? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I agreed with you, though. She had potential. She had so much potential. She just had a weird energy and about her. And some of her lyrics were good. She was just super awkward. Yeah, that, that was it. I can relate to a nerd, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can't relate to a white feminist Christian annoying person. Though. She was so bad, Ooh, Wait, bone. white feminist Christian? Oh, my That's God. It was the, uh, awful. section. write up the membership rules a bit more clearly. <laughs> well, that's the yeah. thing, you know. Yeah, there's no, there's no... It's fraud in the membership. But I guess, like, the thing that most annoys me about feminism is just the way that it's been taken up by corporates and, right. and government. And I guess because it, when it's just about 
representation and very superficial things. It's mm. easy for these fights to be taken up, whereas mm. when we're demanding actual tangible things, uh, like better welfare, better education, domestic violence leave, domestic violence leave, that's, that's something that, that yeah, white ribbon because yeah. Um, as I as I was saying to you earlier. Mm. Um, this white ribbon thing. I mean, the issue I have isn't so much about its focus only on men. The issue I have is that it's a PR thing for yeah. these big organizations and yeah. corporates. And those to same, legitimize them. Yeah, like, yeah. To, to make them seem progressive and yeah. pro-women. But they're not going to make their pay scales transparent so we can make sure that women are getting the pay, mm. pay the same as men. Mm. They're not going to put in domestic violence leave. They're mm. not going to improve their maternity leave. They're not going to have more part-time opportunities available at you know the same rate of pay and mm. so on and so forth. They're not going to value the skills that women bring other than the ones that align with this masculine corporate sort of idea. Mm. I mean, that's changing to some extent to the extent that it, it's beneficial mm. for, for profit, mm. I guess. But yeah, um, going back to White rib Ribbon, like, we don't need, and I guess the other thing is, like, the focus on individual men rather than seeing it as, like, this yeah. systemic issue. Yeah. Um, what we need is actually more money in women's refuges, yeah. not celebrities yeah. turning up to fucking White Ribbon. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not like awareness is required. Mm. People know. Mm. People know mm. domestic violence mm. is an issue. Mm. It's not talked about. Mm. But I don't think that White Ribbon has like truly, you know, gone in to the realities of yeah. DV. You know, it's just about, yeah, oh, isn't it great? It's, it's yeah. very superficial. Like, yeah. And I was saying earlier, like how with the DV leave, I work somewhere where they brought it in, but they brought it in you know, you could take DV leave, but it didn't. they didn't increase the amount of leave we had available to us. You could just take sick leave, I think, or mm. other personal leave and mm. for DV-related reasons. It dug into but, your existing leave. Yeah, 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 that's right. But also, the issue I had with it was that you had to disclose to HR and your immediate, at least your immediate boss, in some cases it could be two immediate bosses, mm. that you were in... A DV situation, and the idea behind that was to like destigmatize DV, but that puts the onus on individual victims of DV. Like mm. it actually, it has no far-reaching effect. And the same with like white ribbon. You wear your white ribbon. Everyone already knows what white ribbon stands for. Mm. There's hardly going to be a conversation about oh. Why are you wearing a white ribbon, bro? Mm. You know, let's talk about DV. <laughs> like, you know? Man, I'd love to be there when that conversation breaks out, though. <laughs> yeah, and so, because, you know, I, I think we could do with more conversations about it, but I just don't think the white ribbon campaign is achieving that at all. And I, I think that if we had more shelters, if we had more, you know, funding into mental health care, more funding into, like, more funding, like, more laws around requiring employers to be more flexible, more supportive to women, more equal pay for women, thus putting women in a more secure financial position. All those things would have a greater impact, and in my opinion, would put women in a place where they're more confident speaking about 
their experiences, mm. I guess, and also involving both women and men for fighting for women's rights mm. more broadly and in a way that helps them combat domestic violence mm. in a very real way. Do you think it in infantilizes male behavior as well by going, get your shit together, pull your socks up? Oh, it's of. totally patronizing. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And it's unnecessary. Like, I mean, obviously, there's, like, issues about how girls are raised and how boys are raised. And that's, um, you know, there's the studies on how, like, if a pregnant woman knows she's having a boy versus a girl, like, people will talk to the baby in the tummy, like, in the woman's, like, stomach womb differently, <laughs> which is just intense. And so it just shows how that socialization starts quite young so it's oh, not like nothing wow. is it is it that is it like are we talking about like speaking softer if it's a girl yeah, and, and saying toughen up your little nutbag while he's there like if it's a girl like oh you know you're gonna be gorgeous and oh, right, wow, right. it's a guy like oh Hey, a little rat bag, you know, summon can't wait to, to like, yeah, yeah summon that. <laughs> We're gonna get out there and play yeah. some league or like, like, catcall some. No, 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 no. But, you know, like, yeah, that Somewhere kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, maybe you don't need to, you, can, yeah. you already know what I'm yeah, saying. Right, yeah, right. So, yeah. it's not, it's something that you don't think about, but right. if you think mm. back to it, you remember. Yeah. Maybe yourselves or just other people like mm. doing that kind mm. of thing, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um,. So yeah, like it's not like things don't need to change in that regard, yeah. like in terms of, um, I guess, gender roles and how girls are treated versus boys are treated. It's not like there doesn't need to be consciousness around that. But yeah, I think patronizing grown men about how they behave mm. is not mm. really the way to do it. Like mm. it needs to be more about say what is taught in schools how it's taught like teachers being because like even though women are seen as the ones who talk all the time mm. men talk more actually mm. and in classrooms boys um, tend to arc up a lot more than girls i can, I can and they, they you know if they stick their hands up mm. like they get the boys will get um you know chosen to talk more and if girls speak they're more likely to be seen as like overly assertive or bossy or, you know, like, draw more attention to themselves. I mean, personally speaking, low-key, the girls are definitely smarter than the boys, so I tend to actually pick the girls more. But it is just a case of, yeah, but, uh, you know, it's also a numbers game as well. And, and yeah, no, I can definitely see other teachers that, that have that kind of a... Oh, the boys will know what, what they're talking about. Really? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's but shit it's still exists. Though. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think a lot of teachers don't want to do that at all. And if, yeah... Mm. Um, if there's more sort of focus on that, like explicit focus, mm. then I think that can be changed. But yeah, I think this whole like telling men to pull their socks up when there's so much, you know, stress in life, financial and emotional mm. and not enough support, mm. I guess. It just seems ridiculous when you're taking money out of all these other things to then be like, hey guys, just... Stop. You know, stop yeah. with a DV, y'all. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit ridiculous, really. I just had one quick thing to ask you about. When it came to awareness campaigns, mm. now, 
Do you do you strictly believe that awareness campaigns should be reserved for things that are obscure and forgotten? Like, because I know you you mentioned that the, the way that the white ribbon awareness campaign mm. is it kind of it's it's just kind of obvious. Like, yes, it exists. Are they going to have a discussion about it? And probably not. Mm. But the idea of I mean. I don't well. I don't think I'd classify like um, like Movember and that sort of things as a, an awareness campaign. It's probably just more of a fundraiser. Yeah. But like, do you see Which that I'm there's not, a? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, I'd like to get your opinion on that as well. But in terms of, do you see the distinction? Is there a? Are there specific instances where awareness campaigns are required over just a straight we're raising money for a, a cause type of thing that that we know is going to happen every year? I mean, like, even, like, wearing pink for cancer. We all know cancer exists. That's right, we um, do. You know, I don't think we need to be made aware of it or reminded of it because yeah, it's constantly there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Breast cancer awareness. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I know we it know exists. It you, so we know, women, like, yeah. it's just, okay, just yeah. call it a, you know, fundraiser or whatever. But yeah. do you see there's a distinction? Is there something that you would, you know, um, you would want to, say, be more explicit on in terms of classification or...? Well... I I mean, I can understand why both exist and I think they're quite intertwined, awareness campaigns and fundraising mm. campaigns. But at the end of the day, like I think this, this whole pro- proliferation of NGOs, both here and abroad, and this focus on fundraising, is a problem because it puts NGOs in competition with, with each other mm. for funds from private individuals, mm. often those who give are not the richest mm. of the bunch. And I think there needs to be more of a focus on grassroots movements and unions that pressure our government to have solid health care, to have solid education. Because if we have all that, actually all this Movember-like breast cancer stuff, in terms of the fundraising element, of it becomes completely obsolete mm. because the government will take care of our health care. Mm. We live in a situation in Australia, we have Medicare, sure, whatever, but there's a really strong focus on private health care. Mm. And there shouldn't be because that means that the people who have money get better access to health care. Yeah. Mm. We should all have access to top-notch health care, definitely globally. 300% in Australia because we have the funds to do it. Mm. There is no excuses mm. for a less than amazing healthcare in Australia. And I feel like this whole NGO fundraising stuff um, just puts more of a financial and a moral burden on people who more than do their part mm. in what they give to the economy in their work and all their unpaid overtime and what they give and all the unpaid labour they do at home and in their communities. Mm. So, yeah, like, I I think what most NGOs do is awesome and necessary, but it shouldn't be necessary. Mm. And, yes, there's a distinction between awareness and fundraising. I think awareness we shouldn't need to do in the sense that anything that's important enough should be taught in school slash should be part of our yeah. daily public conversation yeah. in mm. the public sphere. And anything that is necessary in terms of fundraising should be government-funded. Mm. 
and that's just that. Like if we tax a couple of the mining companies and half the banks. Bazinga, yeah, they're good. <laughs> you know, if they just paid the bloody tax instead of siphoning money off into tax havens where they transfer pricing and mm. other things like that, um, we'd be right. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I feel like, yeah, I think, with a bit of contact, this is somebody who has worked with many NGOs. Yeah, right? absolutely. Mm, yeah. And and it's tough going. And the other thing I don't like about NGOs is just the fact that the workers who work for NGOs mm. um, are so undervalued in mm. terms of what they're paid. And there's a lot of mm. women working yeah. in that sphere, as yeah. in a lot of like so-called caring, inverted commas, yeah. um, industries, mm. um, that's just not okay like mm. it's seen as you know and, and when people will um donate money they'll want to know how much is going to overheads mm. and overheads includes what workers get paid mm. and it's like well if people are working then they need to get paid yeah even if they're doing especially in fact if they're doing something that benefits yeah. the public in general mm. yeah so i have worked with ngos and ngos that you know i love the stuff they do, but I know firsthand what it what it's like to be a worker for an NGO, but also what it's like to fight for funding mm. against other NGOs whose work you respect. You know, and it shouldn't be a fucking competition. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, all this stuff should be funded. Mm. People who work for NGOs can be utilized in a broader um, sort of government program to help people suffering from any sort of health, mental health issues who, you know, want education and whatever they want to follow. Like, there's so, so much scope for that. But, yeah, mm. it's just not what's valued and it's not what's funded. And I think this whole NGO thing fall, you know, fits well with this whole neoliberal agenda of having a focus on the individual, for having austerity measures being pushed through in terms of what governments spend their money on, mm. in terms of having the burden of looking after um, the community and themselves fall onto individuals, I think. So, yeah, again, NGOs do an awesome job. Um, most of the workers even all of the workers and a lot of people working in management of NGOs have people's best interests at heart but in the context within which we work the context of profit being the bottom line um, and all these neoliberal measures coming into play you know, cuts to welfare healthcare education you know, the sort of feminism second wave being shut down it's all about the individual and getting ahead and you know yeah there's so many things that that fall into that so i think while recognizing the benefit that comes from ngos i think the fight needs to be broader essentially fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. how are we doing for time <laughs> 
quite possibly the longest the one we've ever done. Ever done. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, I, I no, it's no. so good. This is like this one is of my amazing. favorite podcasts, like, and I haven't even heard it. Yeah. Like, you know what I no, mean? No, like, absolutely. Easily one of my most favorite ones. I was thinking maybe we should move towards wrapping it up. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like, oh, we could talk about brown patriarchy stuff, but I'm like, we've covered so much stuff and like just adding more to it might... Mm. You know. I think we've covered that. Though. We've brown, sort of covered brown it men are horrible. Well. We got that. Yeah. Right? No, but also brown men are demonized, and oh, I yes. was right in episode twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> quite, quite the dichotomy we have. There. <laughs> Look, it, I mean, okay, wait. I'm just thinking. How should I wrap this up? Do you want to do a poem? Mm. If you have one, do you um, want to do um, my ladder of opportunity, or, or something you f- feel is more appropriate? No, I can do my ladder of opportunity. I think it's quite broad. It's still serious, but a little bit light-hearted as well. Mm. And it's not slammy, yeah. which I like slam poems, but I find sometimes when you've only got the audio, it can be a bit harder to follow. Yeah, it's yeah. So the very live performance like, kind of thing. So yeah. I'll lead into it. Um, but yeah, look, we've been going for a while. Thanks so much for coming on. Unity. Mm. Unity Yamazaki making her, her podcast debut ever? Yeah, ever. Ever. Awesome. Should I just add that I really struggle to listen to podcasts? Yeah. Yeah. I told you, that, right? you have, you have. I was glad you <laughs> yeah, even listened so to it like two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Why do I find them difficult? Yeah. Because I I guess because I find I should listen to podcasts when I'm doing other shit. Mm. But like, I, I have workmates who listen to podcasts at work, but I can't just, I can't do that multitasking. Yeah, I like understand that. Your brain that. can't do it. Yeah, yeah. There are I definitely. Can just, well, just really quickly from. Yeah. Going to well, basically, yeah. it means that you're either not doing one task or the other. You're yeah. either not listening or you're not doing yeah, your yeah, work. But there are yeah. definitely podcasts that you can just put in the background in the background. But yeah, when you're walking, like, I listen to a lot of your guys stuff while, while I was walking oh thanks yeah thanks dude and, really and, uh, really appreciate it yeah um, and, and I think the like sort of colloquial low key sort of style makes it easier for me to listen to rather than right. some of the more formal lecturing ones yeah. I did not go to my lectures at uni yeah <laughs> neither well neither. that was definitely not our intent <laughs> this it. is as smart as we get yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> Should we do a TED talk at some point? Nah. <laughs> I have very strong opinions on those as well. They're pretty, they're pretty disgusting. Yeah, yeah, boom, T Bone, stop pushing your neoliberal agenda on us, T Oh, is that what it is? I just really like it when it tells me to do stuff and improve my life. It's telling you that you are the problem and you just need to, like, Eat a little bit more yogurt for the probiotics in the morning. Do downward dog for three minutes. Which I do do. Why? It's so good. I can't do it for three minutes, though. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) I can pick things up off the ground. Wait till you're almost in your mid-30s, Unity. I am. No, you're not. No, you're younger than us. (laughs) I I, I don't think so. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Look, thank you so much for coming on. We really, Mm. really appreciate it. Thank you for being our first woman on the show yeah, we really, um, and yeah I'm so we've tried like I told you off the air yeah. we've, we've tried very hard yeah, no, everybody no, has bailed it, on us and that. thanks for like just you know spreading knowledge like you did dropping mm. wisdom bombs like you did really yeah. really appreciate it um, we needed it do you want to plug anything mm. are you doing any performances anytime soon where can people find your work 
Because I know you have a very popular YouTube video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do have one that's got a, a f- quite a lot of views. But look, I have actually just started a channel on my under Unity. So Unity Yamazaki on YouTube. Give me some fucking views. Yo, I, I give our girls some Bring them views. <laughs> yeah, everybody that's listening to this, so 50 of you, could you please... <laughs> You'll get... Could you please go to the Unity Yamazaki um, YouTube channel, which is mm. just youtube.com slash Unity Yamazaki. Yeah, yeah. Well, just Google Unity Yamazaki, because the great thing about that name is that no one else has it. Yeah, it is. it there does sound go. pretty cool. So, I think the main thing it would be awesome to see you guys all at is the Palm Sunday rally this year. And that is obviously on a Sunday. It's on um, April 9th um, at Hyde Park. And there's a Facebook event. So, yeah, you'll definitely be able to look that up. And so it would be awesome if everyone could show their support for refugees. And I think especially in the age of Trump and his Muslim bans and his horrific anti-refugee stance, I think it would be great to get um, as many people there as possible. We'll be there. And, yes, we'll and, be know, there. I think following the biggest um, Invasion Day rally that's, I think, ever, it'd be great to make this the biggest Palm Sunday Now is the time to get loud. Mm, it really is, is. If there ever was, was a time, yeah. now is the fucking now is the time. Fucking time. So Absolutely. So to all our, you know, very comfortable liberal listeners, time to, time mm-hmm. to get out of your beautiful houses and come to the, come to the rally. I will be performing comedy on the 12th of Feb, um, uh, Laugh Mob, the Laugh Mob, um, in King's Cross at, what's the name, what's the name of that place? The World Bar. So 12th of Feb, it'll be on Facebook somewhere, look up the Laugh Mob, I will be doing my standard five minutes of comedy, come through, and um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the- I can just say that I saw you a few weeks ago, and you yeah. were pretty great. And you know, thank you. Yes, you and are. If you were you shit, are. You would yeah. Be yeah, yeah. Nah, she's a harsh <laughs> critic. She's a harsh critic, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But yeah, come on, come on through, guys. Come have a come have a listen. Um, I should probably plug our social media, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can email us at themincepodcast at gmail Where's the fan love? We're ending this podcast and nobody's emailing us nothing. What's up with that? Like seriously? I think you need to say the email slower. The mince podcast at gmail.com <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash themince, cloud, soundcloud.com. The Dash Mints Dash Podcast. Um, T-Bone, so, what's your social media? Uh, so I am DJ underscore cashless at, on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, and so yeah, get at us guys before we sign out. Um, this is probably going to be our third last podcast. We'll probably do 30 and see how we go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, thanks so much for coming on, Unity. And, um, it's been great. I believe, been you're gonna, I believe you're going to do a poem for us. Yes. To, to take us out and then after that maybe T-Ren will do our catch cry and we'll bounce yep alright All right. let's go alright so yeah I wrote this a while back um bit different in style from a lot of what I do my ladder of opportunity into the middle class is made of snake lollies I ate them on the way up and now I'm falling my ladder of opportunity into the middle class has holes in all the wrong places. I fell through and now I'm falling. My ladder of opportunity into the middle class is right 
where the bombs are dropping. My limbs shake with fear as I climb. And now I'm falling. My ladder is invisible. I spent years feeling around in the dark. My ladder led me to the prize and to preserve my position, I cut it off behind me. My ladder is color coded and I'm the wrong color. My ladder can only be claimed as a tax rebate and I was on hold for days trying to ask them how I get it. My ladder was gold plated so I sold it to feed my kids. My ladder can only be climbed in heels and a tight skirt and can't be climbed in heels and a tight skirt. My ladder cost me my health. All I have left are positive thinking mantras and they're not working. My ladder doesn't seem to end. Exhaustion set in and now I'm falling. My ladder of opportunity into the middle class had to be assembled. I did it in a hurry between my three jobs and now I'm falling. My ladder of opportunity into the middle class has a wait list and I'm constantly sinking to the bottom of the queue and now I'm falling. My ladder of opportunity into the middle class is laced with lies of change for us all. I refuse to be tricked into climbing it. So now I'm on the ground, fighting, not falling. Yay! Yeah. I do like that poem. Yo, that's been episode 28 of The Mints. I am Nils. He is T-Bone. T-Bone, tell them what's up. Please invite us to your parties. Please invite us to your parties. Bye. Later. Nigga, your drums too clean. Nigga, your drums too clean. Walk down the street like a black Nigga, your drums too clean. Nigga, your drums too clean. Whoa. Nigga, your drums too clean. Walk down the street like a black Nigga, your drums too clean. How do you feel about Tumblr feminism? Um, you know how, because you know how when you first talked to me about this, and you're like, oh, I want you to talk about the like brown patriarchy and feminism, yeah. and I was like, well, I think I do. I feel like I am still more of a socialist than yeah. a feminist. And yeah. There's some like tension there, but it's very theoretical. If someone asked me if I was feminist on the street, mm. I'd be like, yes, mm. I'm a feminist. Mm-hmm. But if someone in like within a left wing socialist sphere asked me, mm. then I'd be like, well, I'm a socialist, but I support a lot of feminism's fights and I guess the thing about like why I don't identify with feminism as strongly is because like it is such it's always been a bourgeois sort of thing um you know since ages since the suffragette movement and um sort of that being around white women white middle class women and them shutting out sort of more working class women from the movement and so forth. But like at the same time, like I think, you know, I was um, around the Sydney feminists for a while and they did a lot of activism around Zoe's law, mm. for example. 
which is the whole abortion mm. thing, um, a couple of years ago. So, you know, it's not all bad, but, mm. yeah. No. And just like this, because I, I feel like, and there can also be the whole, you know, the problem is men yeah. and putting a lot on men, whereas um, depending on if you're like a man who's well off or a man who's living in poverty or a brown man or a black man, it, it all, you know, it all comes across to like I feel like you have, you're always responsible for your actions, but mm. I think it's always important to look at the broader things mm. that cause that. And I think a lot of feminism is around, oh, well, it's biology, etc. And I totally don't think it is at all. Right. I think it's very we can, we can talk about that as well. Oh, I'd love to.